Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to a special football edition of the Nine State Sports Show. Uh, yes, we know it's February. Uh, we really don't care. We're here to talk some football. Um, got a couple of different off-season things we want to talk to you about. Uh, joining me for this special edition, uh, as always, Mike Lockman, former head coach at Sauhegan, uh, and various other stops around the state. Coach, uh, thanks for joining me. How how has your winter been? Um, long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a winter guy. I'm. I'm. It actually feels good to be here talking about football because it makes me feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel a little bit, even though we've got some way to go. <laughs> well, we're, we're, of course, we're doing this. Uh, you know, it's uh, the 19th of February, um, and tomorrow it's supposed to be 60 degrees. Um, so it's going to feel a little bit like uh, football weather, maybe even a little bit too warm. Yeah, um, we'll take it though. Yeah, and uh, of course we are recording this at uh, Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua. Uh, still a few weeks away from uh, uh, returning to a regular scheduled uh, programming, but we did want to uh, get together and, and, and talk about the uh, a couple different things that have been going on in the offseason, mostly focusing on the, um, the Chad East-West uh, All-Star football game. Of course, rosters for that game were released or announced a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, we were just kind of taking a look over them together, and, it, and it's – it's kind of every year it's kind of an interesting thing and, and this year uh no different you know a lot of names that i think people will recognize some names you know that maybe some of us don't recognize um but you know shaping up to be another exciting game i think uh this summer yeah absolutely i had a chance to review the rosters a little bit and it was, I was happy to see that the a lot of the names were familiar names that we've been talking about back during the season um but it's a, it's a tough job, I think, for coaches to, to do the pick. There's so many good athletes, and you try to you know you try to balance that out and get the right guys on the team. But uh, we we will we will get into that a little bit, and it will be a good time. Well, you know, of course, this year's t this year's game, excuse me, is uh, of course returning to UNH after a couple of years being played at uh, St. A's. Um, returning to UNH this year, it'll be. Um, Eric Brown uh, from Concord coaching the West All-Stars, uh, yep. his first year running that show. And, um, of course, Craig Cozens from Laconia. Um, no stranger. No stranger at all yep. to this game. I think this might be his fourth game, actually, Yeah, coaching. Uh, I'm not sure if it's consecutive, but I th I'm oh, pretty it is. sure I think, it, it, I think it? it has been consecutive, yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess this is kind of probably on his schedule every year now. You know? Yeah. He's just kind of, you know, gets him started, I, I guess, for w what uh, – what's always an exciting summer yeah um, of course trying to you think i'd remember off the top of my head what the date of the game is wanted to announce that um saturday june 30th at one yeah um, is uh when kickoff is scheduled for of course at unh um you know we were kind of talking before um just about styles of uh, the coaches bring into this game and uh that with eric brown you know taking over the west uh team this is the first time that a, a coach who's, you know, high school offense is a spread offense is going to be coaching in this game. Yeah, that may be true. Um, and, and it and it's interesting because it, it, it raises the question that you sort of ask every year when you look at the rosters and you try to figure out what was the methodology that the coaches applied to picking the team. Certainly there's a methodology to nominating players. But, um, you know, if you're Coach Brown or, or Coach Cousins, you're 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 trying to balance out, I guess, the, the, the idea of I want, the, I want truly the best players who deserve to be here, but there may also be an element to I need to, I need to fill my roster with the appropriate kids for the type of systems that we're going to run on offense and defense. So 
Um, so it will be a little bit of a different look if if, uh, if Coach Brown is going to do what he's typically done at Concord. It's th they're pretty much a traditional four-wide um, shotgun spread type of team. Uh, they've used different packages in years, like some wing T or wing I things to, to just sort of mix it up a little bit. But that's essentially what the, they, they have done. You know, and you, you look at um, to that, look at the West roster, and you see the three quarterbacks that are listed on there are all kids who, you know, played in a spread offense. Uh, you know, of course, you've got Bishop Gurdon, Sam Rate, uh, Bedford's Connor Robert, and uh, Nashua South, Sean Holland. Yeah. Three kids that, um, you know, I don't know if they could pick their, their centers out of uh, a, a lineup, you know, if they, right. if they stood <laughs> them in front of them. Of course, I'm joking about that. But, but three guys that, um, you know, if they ever took a snap from under center, it was uh, – you know, it was definitely an oddity. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in years past, we've had um, quarterbacks like uh, Trevor Knight, James Caprell playing in offenses, you know, where they had to play under center in this game after, you know, f three, four years of, you know, playing in the shotgun. So yep. kind of three Brissini, guys. Yep, same yep, situation. Last year, played yeah. in, uh, under center. So guys coming in this year, they'll be a little bit more familiar may maybe with w what they're doing. Yeah, I, I, I think so, certainly. I mean, not only are they clearly quarterbacks that are good fits for the system that you, we assume Coach Brown is probably going to run, but, you know, when you think about what those three guys did this season, and I know Connor got, got hurt um, and, and didn't get to, you know, sort of go the full deal, but you would have assumed he would have been one of the best. I mean, those are three very good shotgun quarterbacks. Um, they're three very good quarterbacks, regardless of what right. system yeah. they're in. But yeah. it's going to be tough, I think, for them to figure out who that starter is going to be. I, they all bring a little something different to the table, different levels of experience, good arms. Yeah, I would say, I mean, you really look at, at, at all of them, and they all are, are very good runners and throwers, I would say. Um, you know, Holland maybe is the, the best at doing both, I would say. I think he's probably just as good running with the football as he is throwing it. Um, but the other two are certainly more than capable of it. But you also maybe wonder, too, um, I know Sean had played a little bit of, of defensive back, you know, as a younger kid uh, yep. with South, so maybe, you know, maybe they end up giving him more reps there. Um, of course, he's got a, a, a pretty um, talented backfield there, that a defensive backfield that, that would be around him, of course, yeah. depending on what they decide to do with um, Joe Eichmann, Andrew Duvall, um, yeah, I'm trying to let you look at the roster. <laughs> two real UNH quick here. bound. Yeah, two kids that are that have you know just uh, recently signed to go play at UNH. Um, Jordan you know, Dosen from yeah, Plymouth from is a really good DB. Very good athlete. Um, there's just so many kids on this list that you you could throw in those spots. Um, you know, it, I I guess I'm kind of glad I'm not gonna have to make those decisions. You know, it's not my kind of thing. Not that. I, you know, I wouldn't want to be coaching a football team anyway. Yeah. You, 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 would, uh, you wouldn't <laughs> want to watch me coaching a football team. Well, you know what, what I think you've seen a lot of coaches do through the years, and I think it's probably one of the reasons that Coach Cousins has been asked back, and it's, it's certainly one of the things that, um, um, that I've heard stressed with regard to the All-Star Games, whether it's the Shrine Bowl or the, the East-West game, is that, you know, it's a little bit different because it's not an in-season game where you're you're really trying to put your best guys on the field, give everybody the best chance to win. You really do want to try to showcase everybody as best you can. So that is actually a very different. Uh, it makes the game different, I think, to manage, right? Because it's 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 simple once you make your depth charts as as a regular season coach at a high school. Say, hey, these are our best guys, and yeah, certainly you have some rotational things that you do, but you know, here uh, in in an all-star game, a lot of times you see coaches rotate 
O-lines series to series maybe even, right? Uh, quarterbacks series to series. We've seen that, especially in a case like this where you have some guys uh, for Team West that all things being equal might be pretty equal. Yeah, um, yeah. So now you're, you're worried as a coach about not just your, your depth chart and who's going to play O and D, but you're thinking about rotational plans because all these guys are good. They can all step up. They can all be leaders. Um, I think that's a, an element to coaching this particular game that's very different. You know, we, we mentioned some of the uh, quarterbacks that are listed on the, the West roster. We'll take a quick look at the East, too. Um, you know, you've got Cody Graham from Portsmouth, uh, John Cantwell from Dover, who uh, you know, came on at the end, or after the season started for the Green Wave there and was really a, a spark for them this year. Yep. Uh, and Riley Roy from Laconia, you know, who's obviously familiar with uh, – with Coach Cousins' uh, offense having you know run it for the last couple of years, yeah. So, but I mean, you look at that, and it's uh, you know I, Graham, of course, and actually I, I haven't seen Dover in a little while. I'm not sure what kind of offense they if they're still running it or if they do run a spread offense. I haven't seen Dover for a while either. They're, they're traditionally Ken, Ken Osborne is spread. Yeah. Back in the day, he used to be pretty multiple. He'd yeah. mix spread in with some other stuff, but I think they've migrated more towards doing spread stuff. I think especially their proximity to UNH is right. kind of. Kind of drives that a little bit, but he's good at that stuff. Of course, Graham did a lot of uh, was a was a big passer for Portsmouth there, but certainly capable of, of running. I think those three running uh, more traditional under center kind of offense. Uh, plus, you look at you know the kids that they have listed on here as linemen, and uh, it's just you can see that that's probably going to end up being the strength of their team, assuming that a lot of these kids are are playing on the offensive line. You know, you got Ryan Hansen from Winnicott. Uh, listed at 305 on this roster. Um, Jake Mullen out of, uh, from Salem listed at 295. Yeah, both uh, very good at linemen, by yeah. the way. Um, uh, Jacob Corain, uh, I apologize if I'm saying that wrong, from Pelham, another 300, you know, yeah. 300 kid. Um, just you know, a lot of a lot of big guys up front there that um, you know, and and a loaded. Uh, backfield. I mean, just the, the running backs on this this East roster. Unbelievable. I, yeah, I mean, as, as strong as I think Team West is with their quarterback situation, and again, I guess some of this goes to the argument that I made at the beginning of the show, which is maybe there's an element to the coaches will pick great players, but they'll also pick players that fit their philosophies and systems. I mean, this Team East backfield, I don't remember the last time that I saw a team that, that had this many really good backs right on the list. I mean, you're you're looking at um, the two really good backs from Salem, which were um, Josh, Josh Savanda and Adam and Maroon. Maroon. Plus, you've got Ben Genest in there, who was a very good fullback, yep. uh, you know, for Salem. Um, Tim Bouchard from St. Thomas, who is, is listed as a running back, but really, I mean, he was a kind of a do-all. He could uh, do anything. Player for, Return for St. specialist, Thomas. wide receiver, slot. Um, you've got Royce Belsky from Wyndham, who. Uh, is a very good player. Um, he, he was probably the heart of that Wyndham team, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, Billy Powers from Winnicunnant and, and Braden Lowry from Exeter, two really good backs. And then, of course, um, Pinkerton's Ty, Ty Hicks. Hicks. Uh, just an excellent change of pace, or, or I shouldn't say change of pace, just kind of home run hitting back. Yeah. Um, that just, you know, a real difference maker for Pinkerton this year. And, and you got to think that any of those guys, um, I mean, you'd like to have any maybe one or two of those guys on your team, and, and, and they're all – you know, going to be playing in the same game. That's yeah. that's a lot of talent on one roster. Yeah, and you're going to figure, knowing what Coach Cousins' system is now, he he runs a lot of sort of wing T derivative type stuff. Maybe maybe some out of the eye, some out of a more traditional wing T look, which is sort of a two back 
three even a three back type of look but it doesn't it's not like a full house type of look like exeter might run with the t and, he, and he'll run a little bit of spread depending on the circumstance i've seen him do that before but uh i mean they're set up now where they could they could just put three backs on the field and and rotate and still have enough guys to rotate and, and you don't know who's going to play d and o um certainly you know there might be some of those kids that are slotted for the defensive side of the ball but if you're thinking fireworks and firepower um I think East has the, the ground game covered pretty well between the O-line and the, the backfield. And, you know, looking um, looking at it, you know, we talk about that, who, who's going to play what side of the ball. But looking at the East roster, you know, I do see a couple of kids who were uh, at least more of a standout type player on defense for their teams this year. You know, specifically looking at, um, you know, Josh Ladipo from Pinkerton, Caden uh, uh, Balgeron from Pinkerton, uh, two very good uh defensive backs who had big uh playoffs for the for pinkerton this year yeah um you know and uh, evan welch from winnicott who was you know a good receiver for them but just as good i think as a, a defensive back you know and those um those kids may be just as important for whatever the east ends up doing trying to defend what could potentially be a, a pass heavy offense yeah you know for the west yeah the only other kid that that sticks out to me who i think was a, a pretty good defensive standout was gavin schoon for st thomas um, if I remember correctly, he was good on both sides of the ball, but I, th I think he, he was a nightmare uh, as a defensive lineman. You know, maybe not the prototypical big body, but very quick and very aggressive. Uh, and like we had mentioned, you know, of course, the, the West has a couple of the, uh, I guess, top recruits, college recruits, you would say, in, in Eichmann and, and Duval, um, both going to UNH. Uh, found out this week that... Um, Jacob Post from Timberlane and, and Christian Pete, who graduated from Portsmouth a year ago, also going to be out there with UNH uh, in the fall. Yep. Um, of course, the West also with, uh, we mentioned, or um, excuse me, the East, Royce Belsky um, going on to play next year. I'm already blanking on it. I think what he's going to Bentley. Bentley, yep. Bentley yep. Um, Holland and Raid, I know, both going on to play in college. Um, you know, just a lot of, you know, this kind of a, an interesting time for some of these kids because you have those that group like that there who you know they're gonna this is kind of a, a primer for them yep. going into the fall but the majority of these kids this is it yeah um, it might not be it might it might they might not play again in that in that way with pads on and, and with their teammates like this again yeah um you know I've, I, I one thing we've probably never talked about with terms as you as a coach did you have any experiences with uh i know this game's still pretty young one but with the shrine or getting to go up there no you know i i i haven't i i was i was asked um my last year if i wanted to do the shrine bowl as the head coach and i i um i really struggled with the decision because i had committed to stepping down at that point and i felt like i needed to i, I felt like i needed to be true to that decision even if it even if the shrine thing felt like an awesome way to sort of go out um it was a tough decision to make, but no, I, I've never been uh, an assistant or a head coach in, in any of the all-star games. So uh, I, I've talked to plenty of people who have done it. You know, they, they usually have pretty good sized staffs try to almost two platoon your staff, some coaches, I think. So you, you, know, you talk to people about the experience. Most of them say they wouldn't trade it for the world. That the, the, the players are awesome to deal with. The environment's fun. Um, really cool stuff yeah you go to some of these practices and i mean we're, we're looking at these the coaches uh, on here now I, it's got to be what half dozen maybe eight uh for each side yeah you know when you you show up to the practices and there's at least that many people there you know some other coaches will, will come and watch practices because i mean they're pretty much 
pretty much open. Open practice, yeah. Um, I went to a couple last yeah. year. Yep. You know, uh, there's just uh, – it's a fun kind of event to be around because, you know, it's after the, you know the school year being done. You know you kind of give it a couple of weeks there to kind of recharge, or at least on on my end. Yep. Um, you know recharge a little bit. You know start to get a little antsy because after going for nine months of you know at a breakneck pace, all of a sudden everything comes to a complete halt. Yeah. And you get this one game in and kind of get you uh, a little fired up. I think for for you know, the start of football season again. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, when when the Shrine game was the only game in town, that was kind of, you know, a week later, 10 days later, we were starting practices. But, um, you know, this is uh, yeah, usually... Or actually, I think it was three or four days later. Was it? Right? Yeah, yeah it's, like, it's that weekend before the Wednesday, usually. So it, it was a tight turn on the Shrine. Which, um, that... Uh, let's, let's transition to that then. Uh, you mentioned that Wednesday, and I, you know... I'd, Looking at uh, already for the the calendar that the NHIA has posted for next year, um, I'd heard this was kind of a rumor. Didn't know it was actually going to happen uh, this year, but it looks like that starting Wednesday before uh, everyone else in the fall is done. Looks yeah. like football is now going to start that Monday um, in August with all the other sports. Yeah, yeah. So you lose three, four, three, four five days. days there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's you know it's an interesting decision. Um, I guess I could speak to it a little bit, right? I'm, I'm you know, uh, <laughs> don't have to worry about that anymore. But, <laughs> I, you know, there, there's there's nothing more important in the game right now, obviously, than the, the player safety elements and all the studies and, and research that have gone into how we keep the kids safe and still, still allow them to play the game and, and do things the right way. And so I think some of that information is very good, and there's a lot of science uh, behind it, and it says, hey, this is sort of a repetitive thing, or if you're wearing wearing – players out or if they're continuing to have um, you know certain type of hits or whatever through the course of a, of a long season then they're more susceptible to long-term issues so there's that and I think that's a good thing and I think if that's what drove the decision that I understand that but I think the flip side of that is that as a coach would have been my argument against would have been to say you know but a lot of that time is where you you spend teaching the team technique fundamentals I mean, there, there's certainly a lot of install, and, and you, we're going to put this play in, and we're going to put this blitz in, and all that kind of stuff. But, man, I'll tell you, you, you spend a ton of time every day working on the proper way to tackle and block and take on a block and do all of those things safely with good technique. And, you know, so it, it's a, it's a catch-22 for me as a coach whether I think that's a great, a great solution or not. I, I feel like, yeah, okay, shortening it is nice, and that may be good in terms of the physical wear. But I worry about shortening it because from, from my perspective, it would take away of, from my rhythm that I had developed in, in knowing that we could teach kids the right way to do things, and that's preventative too. Those first three days, um, you, teams couldn't hit that at that point, right? No. So You'd have five practices in before you could really hit. So I like wonder... Hit, like body on body right, hitting. Right. Um, I wonder, you know, is that going to carry over? You know, you start that Monday now, are you not going to be able to hit until that following Thursday. It'll push the scrimmage um, potential scrimmage, back. Well, the, I'm, I, the reason I ask that is, you know, if you can't already hit until that following Monday anyways, for the most part, um, and you're just going over the fundamentals on those days usually. I mean, I know there are some, some teams that have been senior heavy that just walk in the door and, you know, boom, they're ready to go. Yeah. Of course, then you also factor in the fact, too, that how many of these teams – you know, once school's out at the, in June, 
they're getting together every Wednesday or every Thursday doing seven on sevens yep. with you know a couple other teams, and they're already with each other for you know almost two months by right. the time that Wednesday rolls around. So if if that was the reasoning behind um, you know maybe pushing this back, I mean I guess I understand it, but if you if you're already not hitting yeah. to begin with, and you're worried about you know yeah someone getting hurt from from starting earlier or going longer i don't i don't know if i understand it as i don't know yeah there, i think i think anybody making those kind of decisions is in a bit of a pickle because there's positives and minuses to it so at some point you're you're trying to just do what's right for the athletes um and, and, and you mentioned the off season there's been some loosening of the reins over the last four or five years on what you can and can't do in the off season but Again, my problem with that has always been, yeah, you can get a lot of good work done in the off-season. And, and as a coach, you would strive to do that. Hey, we've got optional workout here, and we've got an optional skills session, and we've got the optional seven-on-sevens. But the key word there is what? Optional. Optional, yeah. right? So you don't have everybody. And some of those guys might be off doing some of lacrosse or summer baseball or, or going on vacations. And so if you're, if you're building in your key fundamental or install stuff into the, into the summer – you're miss you're still missing kids and that's dangerous too if you're if you're counting on that to get people caught up on what they need to know you know we would um for better or worse we would go into day one of official practice like we had done nothing all summer this is a helmet this is a football this is a guard i think that's that might be more than what maybe what some some teams have been <laughs> doing around this table. Uh, but you know what I mean? Yeah, right? no, I know what you mean. Nobody yeah, had yeah, done anything, yeah. and we would go right back to the very beginning. And, and because all it takes is you missed, you missed one kid Yeah. Um, from either a safety perspective or a development perspective. So you go right, right to the fundamental. Well, not, not to maybe blow this uh, too much, up too much, but I know I've uh, you know, read lately about you know, issues with the NFL. Um, you know, people are complaining that the quality of play there is, is declining, and you know, you go back a few years ago when they put together the new, the current CBA that they're under. Um, they got rid of a lot of practice time. Yep. How much of an effect? You know, I mean, that's got to have some kind of an effect on on what ends up coming out on the field yeah. every every week. It, it is you no know. question. And I think the thing, the distinction that I would make, if anybody cared about what I thought, which I, I assure you they don't. But <laughs> what I would say is there's a difference between practice time and the physical nature of that practice time. So if you want to put certain limitations on, hey, you know, you can't you can't full squad scrimmage for this this many hours per week, or you can't, you know, do tackling and blocking drills for a certain amount of time, um, then then that's appropriate. But I think practice time itself, you could be you could be doing film work, you could be doing conditioning, you could be doing any number of things. Of course, that is uh, it's a, a long ways off. I'm gonna yeah, I'll have to yeah. remember this, you know, come the end of the year because usually I write on my calendar on that first Wednesday after right. school ends how many weeks until uh, you don't want to show up at uh, uh, yeah I don't want to yeah I don't want to get Brookline show up <laughs> nobody's at, uh, there yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what where is everybody right. um, you know of course we we don't really know either um, what some of these divisions are going to look like right. you know once we get started here um, you know I think it's still being discussed. Um, you know, obviously, I think the, the plan is to go with four divisions at this point. Um, really, the, I think the only one that's been at least officially publicly talked about and finalized is, is Division One. Of course, um, you know, Alvern dropping down yep. into Division Two, Wyndham moving up, which they are in all sports. Yep. Um, so that's consistent. Uh, so for that. Yeah, yeah, consistent. Of course, Goffstown and Portsmouth moving up in other sports as well. Yep. Uh, they're already in Division One for football. And then uh, Merrimack 
sliding over to the West Conference to take Alvarez's spot. Yep. Uh, Wyndham moving into the South Conference to take Merrimack's spot, which I think makes perfect sense. You've got yeah. then for both teams, you, right? Right, right yeah. for both teams. You've got you know, um, Pinkerton, Londonderry, Wyndham, Salem, and Timberlane in that one conference, and then the three Nashua schools, yeah. Keene and Merrimack, in yep. the other. Um, yeah, so it makes a, a, a pretty much pretty good sense, I think. Should be real four quality divisions if you really start thinking it through the, the teams and not in, how they're aligned. You mean in Division, division one? one? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it was good this year. I thought it was. Th- I thought all four divisions were pretty good. They were balanced, but th- that might even be a little bit better. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't. I mean, we'll. I mean, of course, we'll we'll see. There's always. Uh, of course, we have an idea of who's going to be at least based off of, you know, what happened um, in this past season. Um, you know, but we'll, uh, of course, get into that a little bit more as we get towards June. Um, hopefully we'll hear a little bit more about what's going on. Um, I think they are, you know, they are definitely keeping those four uh, in Division One playoffs. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, I'm not really sure how much they could tweak there unless they just decide to do and seed them one through eight like the other divisions have been. Right. Um, you know, Division Two, I think, is still going to be a pretty big division, and then you have a breakdown there, with three and four being a little bit smaller. Yeah, I think two two had some changes that were potentially going to happen. I don't know that that's a beneficial yet, but I, I had seen Laconia maybe, might not be in two anymore. I, I thought that I saw that. Right. Um, that I think that's Hillsborough that right, Hopkinton yeah. was going to move down, which I think is probably appropriate. They're a second year program at this point, and uh, it's not like they're slouches in D3, by the way, either with Manadnock and Stevens and Campbell. And and then you have Wyndham moving out. Um, so some of those, uh, some of the Division Two look is going to be very interesting. You have Alvern moving down, which they did back in 2012 for one year. Right, and right. It, it didn't have the impact on their program that y- you would have hoped or thought. Um but, you know, who knows how, how the landscape will be this year, and, and maybe it will help Alvern get yeah. back on their feet a little bit. Coach, any other final thoughts that we didn't get to that, uh, you know, everyone just needs to know about before we reconvene in the summer sometime? I don't think so. I think, you know, I think the one thing that struck me was it was a, it was a pretty deep New Hampshire senior class this year. We, were t- we opened by talking about the, the, the East-West game, and uh, I think one thing is, depending on the circumstances, there, there are definitely some guys – that are still unaccounted for that could be very, very good players for um, the New Hampshire Shrine Bowl team mm-hmm. as well, which, you know, there's been sort of a, a sucking effect on that right. the last couple of years where the, the Shrine team has not had the ability to um, get as many of these guys, I think, just, if anything, due to the timing of the games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's still a lot of players left on the board for whoever uh, is doing the Shrine to pick, and hopefully that'll be good for both games. He is Mike Lockman, the former head coach at Sauhegan. Uh, coach, thanks again for uh, for taking your time out of taking some time out of your uh, your winter uh, to to you know sit down and chat with me about some football. Absolutely, I'm not doing anything else. I assure you, <laughs> uh, Coach. Thanks again for for joining me. Uh, this is Joe Marcellina. I hope the re- all of you enjoy. Uh, should be some nice weather this week. The rest of your winter seasons, and uh, we'll be talking to you again in a few weeks.